Um, hi, everybody. Good morning. Uh, welcome to reInvent. Uh, thank you for coming. Hope it's going to be a great, uh, great event, great conference for you. Uh, I am uh, Anthony Passmore. I lead product management for the AWS IoT platform. And I'm uh, here uh, today with uh, a great partner, uh, Salesforce, especially around IoT. Uh, we're really excited to talk about the integration between uh, Salesforce IoT Cloud and AWS IoT. So hopefully uh, you'll learn a lot out of that session. Uh, what is the expectation from that session for you, really, to better understand the IoT business landscape? Uh, my friend Bo here will do uh, a little bit of a presentation around that. Um, we'll show you how AWS IoT, the service, helps you securely connect devices to the cloud and use the Salesforce IoT Cloud to really make the data engagement and actions around the data generated by your devices. And at the end, at the end of this, we're going to have a nice uh, demo that we have right here. Hopefully it works. A lot of pieces put together here. A lot of pieces. So a lot of pieces. Um, so if so, you create a demo, gods, please do yeah. so now. We have four different outstanding items that are running in a demo at any point in time. So for yeah. those of you who have done live demos before, just and we've, we've heard before that um, it, it's a little small for big rooms like that. So when we start the demo, first you're going to be blind over there. So we apologize for that. Closer. If you want to come closer and look at it while we're doing it, it's totally fine. So don't hesitate to, to get up. Um, I'll pass it on to Bo for now. And uh, Perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Anthony. So just to further introduce myself, I am Bo Mangles, and I work on the IoT Cloud team. Uh, we will also be joined during the demo time by our good buddy, Aubrey Vanna White Wing, who will be actually controlling the demo, who's sitting up here in front. But also just want to call out that we are actually giving away an Oculus Rift during this session and at the end of the session. I see eyes coming up from laptops to actually take a look at it. So if you're looking for those items to hand out to your loved ones at Christmas, or you're trying to make up the fact that you lost some money at the gambling table, go ahead, tweet, hashtag reinvent, hashtag Salesforce IoT, and we're going to be selecting a winner at random from Jess Liu, our fantastic person back here, at the end of the session. So without further ado, I am, by law, I have to be able to show this, set, this slide. This is the safe harbor rule that says it's like some of the items in here might be a bit forward-looking. So when you do make your evaluation and buying decisions, do so with all the material that you have online. If anybody, has anybody been to Dreamforce before? One, two, not that many folks, but great. So there are some cool people that will read this slide word for word. I am not going to do that because we do have a ton of content that we want to walk through and show you today, which now we're actually going to start by, with us talking at you, asking a couple questions. So I want everybody to get a show of hands, get moving a little bit. This is one of the first sessions at reInvent. So first off, I actually want to know, as gauging, who, how many IoT developers are actually in the audience today? Okay. Okay, so we have a decent amount. How many of you are focused on IoT readiness? And what I mean by IoT readiness is you've been sent here to attend this session by your higher-ups. Maybe you are the higher-up to say, what are we doing from an IoT level within our company? Show of hands, how many folks? Okay. And who just wants to learn about what AWS and Salesforce are doing together? Oh, Great. Great. That's awesome, because that's exactly what we're going to spend most of our time talking about. But hopefully we get to touch on most of those items throughout the course of this next 45 minutes. So why are we all actually sitting here today? I think the main thing to call out is that the Internet of Things is actually now a thing. It's something that we are constantly talking about. It has become a buzzword of sorts within the Silicon Valley, but also within the world. And everyone's trying to figure out what IoT is. 
This recent slide, or why it says 20.8 billion, this is coming from Gartner that forecasts that 20.8 billion devices will be connected by 2020. A lot of times, I actually think this is a little bit on the low end. It's like if we're seeing Forrester reports and other analysts come out and say it's like it could be upwards of like 30 billion to 40 billion devices. And that's mainly to say that within the next few years, there is going to be a tremendous amount of connected items that are all throughout the world. And just to put that into perspective, because sometimes we can get lost in the billions, right now there's around 5.5 billion active computers that are currently running at any given point in time in the world. So that number at the low end is 4x that. So what, oops, going back. So what, why is that? It's like, why all of a sudden is this actually starting to come about? I would actually argue that IoT is more or less a recognition of what is happening within technology today. And more or less, understanding it through like the lens of evolution. And one of the key things that I look at and when, when I'm trying to understand this a little bit better is the idea of a thermostat. So I grew up in central Texas where it becomes remarkably hot. And is anybody from Texas or those regions? One, two, three, awesome, hook them. Um, and I remember growing up, we had three different thermostats that sat in our house. And one of which was downstairs, one of which was upstairs, and the third one, for some odd reason, was actually in the garage. Not sure why it was there. Maybe if there's car people in the room, you can tell me afterwards why you would do that. But I remember I used to go home and actually go and turn the top thermostat down on the second story down to as low as it could possibly go because I would always get way too hot. My parents would come back, say, we're like, our, it's like the temperature in our house is totally all over the place. What is actually going on? And they would come, come in, my dad would check the garage, my mom would check the downstairs, and then last they would go upstairs and realize that I had turned it down. I would get yelled at, my dad would say I'm wasting too much energy, my mom gave me the physics lesson of saying you're actually working against yourself, if you're going to break our house rules, make sure that you do it downstairs so that it stays down there, and so on and so forth. Now, we're actually into a different space. I can now, from Las Vegas, pull out my phone, and control the temperature in my bedroom, kitchen, and living room all right from my mobile device. And the reason why it's like we're actually getting to that, or at least one of the reasons why I believe, is because it's becoming significantly more simple to connect devices to a centralized source. So if we take a look at the Moore's Law pricing rule, the cost of computing is actually going down, the price of putting semiconductors into into like devices is actually going down, and now, thanks to folks like AWS, you can now program things and push it out to all of your devices in a much more simple way. We're no longer in this space where we, as individuals, are hard programming items and then shipping them out to customers and saying that is it. It's like we were constantly iterating on what we were actually shipping out to our customers. And so what does that actually lead to is now that we're now in this new, brave new world of connecting all of our devices together, is companies are starting to invest very heavily in IoT initiatives. And they're expecting pretty big returns. It's like, so for instance, 1.3 trillion, another large number, is supposed to be spent on IoT by 2019. And we're anticipating a return of four to $11 trillion of potential economic impact. Now, if I am an accountant and I'm looking for a return on investment, four to 11 trillion is a delta that I would kind of want to have a little bit better math with and say, hey, it's like maybe we can get a little bit more exact about what we're gonna see from it. But the truth here is that we know that there is going to be significant economic impact about what, why these devices are actually connecting, or devices that are connected together, and what they're doing once they are connected together. 
what does that do from a landscape perspective as far as like what we see? We see a lot of folks coming into it. How many of you guys work for an IoT company? Period, that's strictly focused on IoT. How many of you work for a company that's actually looking for an IoT solution provider? Great. And how many of you guys are partners that are looking for IoT partners to partner with and build solutions for those companies that are looking for an IoT provider? A few, okay. So what this does is this starts to create an ecosystem of opportunity, but it also creates a huge ecosystem of confusion. So from one perspective, this actually looks like a decent thing. You have a lot of people talking about IoT and what it can do and the value that it can add, but ultimately, when a company comes that's outside of the tech world and is looking for a solution, they can get relatively confused. So what we want to boil it down to, and this is going to look, for those of you who are deeply invested in IoT, this is going to look very simplistic, but what I want to call out is that the four key areas that we really want to focus on. So most companies today, when they think of IoT, they generally tend to think of things, connectivity, and maybe device management. Now, the things in connectivity is a very straightforward item to take a look at, mainly because from our perspective, it's the easiest to understand. It's like we have our phones, we have our automobiles, and we want them to be able to communicate with each other. The second piece, or the third piece within these, within these three orbs, is the data and device management perspective, which is what Anthony is going to go into heavy detail in, in a minute about what AWS is actually doing from that point. And then the fourth piece is where Salesforce comes into play. And this is the engagement piece. You have now successfully connected all of these devices together. And they're now communicating with each other. You're updating them. They're secure. But what are we doing in the next stage that allows us to be able to communicate effectively with our customers and with our businesses through the devices that they have already either purchased from us or through the devices that they use? And that's something that becomes deeply important, especially as we look at the evolution of business and we start looking to a world where people are not wanting to buy everything and want to rent it or the blank as a service type of model that we're actually starting to push towards. And so from this, this is where I'm going to pass it back over to Anthony. And he's going to ex actually explain this in quite a bit more detail because this is the problem that we're actually looking to solve. It's like we actually are seeing a disconnect between all of the things that have now been put together in column A from the customers in column B. And what AWS IoT and what Salesforce IoT is working actively to do is to bridge that gap and actually put them together. So I'm going to go ahead and toss this over to you, and you can keep expanding on this and elaborate. Thank you, Bo. And I think you put it right. It's, it's really people and companies we've seen and we've talked to are really focused on, I need to connect my thing. And that's, that's, a, that's kind of a means to an end. shouldn't be an end goal to connect the, the devices you're using. Uh, to the cloud. The idea is what do you do with that data? How do you get insight? How do you engage your customers? How do you make better products? And that's really the divide we're trying to bridge by coming together in that partnership between AWS IoT and Salesforce IoT Cloud. And the idea is that Salesforce, uh, AWS IoT is really focused today on connecting securely devices to the cloud and managing those devices in the cloud and then passing that down through that partnership, uh, that data down to Salesforce to better map the data from the devices with the customer data, the CRM data, the service cloud data, uh, and any type of customer data you may have to generate engagement. That's really what that partnership is about, is AWS IoT as the ingestion, kind of filtering data management, device management, 
IoT Cloud as the customer engagement side of your end-to-end -end solution. So let's dive a little deeper into AWS IoT. What is it? AWS IoT is a service that was launched last year at reInvent, if you were there last year. Uh, it was launched in beta in October, when GA in December. It is a managed service. Uh, we've done IoT on AWS for a long time. We have a lot of customers doing IoT on, on AWS. And we took that, that learning and the pain points that we were seeing among those customers to come up with a, with a platform that allows to connect, especially constrained devices, to the cloud. It was pretty easy to connect a phone or a video camera you know, using Kinesis or some other systems, or just system, you know, applications on EC2. But if you wanted to, con to connect a constrained device that cannot, doesn't have a lot of memory, doesn't have a lot of compute power, doesn't have a lot of connectivity, you would need something else. And AWS CT came to solve that thing. So it's really about connecting constrained devices it's a managed service. That means that when you go to your AWS console, you have an icon called AWS IoT. You click on it, you have a new console. By the way, we have a new console that just came out last week. So I invite you to look at it. It's much better than the one we had before. Uh, so that console enables you to, to connect your devices really um, out of the box. So connect securely means that we enforce the use of X509 certificates for your devices. We do not lower the bar of security. We don't want you to connect with just the login password that's unsecure and not fit for devices. The Dinink uh, attack last uh, month, I think, was mm -hmm. uh, a good example of that. Yeah. You have to secure your, your devices. And using certificates is a great way to do it. We also enforce the use of TLS 1.2 for the encryption of communication uh, from your devices to the cloud. And we have policies and roles that you can apply to each devices to define where they can post, what they can do, what they can subscribe to, and what they can do in the system. So it's not because they're authenticated with a certificate that they have the rights to do anything. Policies define that, but they're defined in the cloud, not on the device. So if somebody hacks the device, they can't actually do anything in your cloud. You control that at the cloud level. We support multiple protocol, and QTT is the one we like uh, most, but we're not close to any other protocols. Uh, we support HTTPS, we support WebSocket as well, and we try to make it very simple and cost-effective. So we boiled it down to a cost per message. And be careful because it's not, you're not paying message, you're paying messages, so the broker, you're paying for the rule engine execution, you're paying for the registry service, the shadow service, which is the virtual representation of your device in the cloud, and you know, some of the back-end processing that goes with it. So the price per message is for that entire system, that suite of services. And it's a $5 per million messages in the US. There's other regions in Europe, it's about the same. There's other regions where uh, the price is a little bit different, but it's kind of in that range. And we really think of it as the front door to AWS IoT services. So via the rule engine, you can forward data from the devices very easily to AWS backend services that include Kinesis, that includes Lambda, serverless architecture to execute actions. It includes DynamoDB, S3, CloudWatch, Elasticsearch. A lot of the, there's about 10 services today that are available in the rule engine natively that you can pass data down to. And part of that partnership is to make Salesforce IoT Cloud one of those services. So directly in a rule, you can connect to AWS IoT, uh, Salesforce IoT Cloud and pass data down to, uh, to that service. So that's really what exemplifies. And what that data is going to do is going to enrich the profile that IoT Cloud is building out of the data coming from the device. And that profile will be enriched, and we'll talk about IoT uh, Cloud in a minute. It'll enrich that profile and create actions in Salesforce. Do you want to spend more time on this? 
Absolutely. Okay, let's do. Thank you. Perfect. And so now that you guys have at least a general understanding, at least a high-level understanding of how you're actually connecting your devices into AWS IoT, I'm going to spend the next few minutes until we start jumping into the demo, which again, please work. Um, we're going to just, before what we're going to need to do is, is really walk through IoT Cloud in general and just kind of help you get a better understanding of why Salesforce is actually approaching it the way that it is. So first off, like focusing on why IoT Cloud and what IoT Cloud is meant to do. So we're built around like core three components, which is rapid innovation, customer context, and real-time engagement. Some of those might sound a bit buzzworthy, but hear me out. It's like I want to explain this to you in a bit more detail. The rapid innovation piece, and what we could also phrase this as is rapid iteration, is we're building IoT cloud around low-code technology that a business user can actually use. So let's say you have new data scientists that are actually starting on your team, and maybe they don't actually have a CS degree, but they really do understand it's like how to crunch the numbers that are coming out of AWS IoT cloud. We want to give you a natural language processing engine that allows you to write rules and write permissions so that you can then trigger various reactions from the core Salesforce clouds directly into IoT cloud based on all of the device insights that you're actually gaining in from, the, from our solution. The next piece is the customer context. And this is really kind of the biggest part of why Salesforce IoT cloud works remarkably well across when it comes to connecting your devices, is what we want to be able to do is you're currently gathering all, devi like all device data that's coming in from phones, laptops, and whatnot, but we want to give that, I that idea a name. And back to Salesforce mantras since long before I joined the company is behind every device there is a customer, and we want to make that content nice and real and rich for you guys. And so that's one of the core pieces why I'm, one, genuinely excited about IoT Cloud is how do we actually make IoT Cloud more human and less device-centric? And the third piece is real-time engagement. Directly related to that is at any given point in time, it's like your customer is using their device. And that it can either be from a consumer context of using their phone. It could be in manufacturing lines with robots that are building and constructing cars. It could also be in shipping management fleets that are out and about throughout the world and wanting to know what's actually going on with them. And you're going to be able to see all of that data in real time, which we're actually going to show you within the demo that we create. So how does IoT Cloud work? I think. If you are a little bit, if, if you understand the backend architecture a bit, it's like this will probably be a bit more straightforward. And if you don't, then I'm hopefully going to be able to explain this in a very real way. And I actually want to explain it through the lens of Chipotle, <laughs> as weird as that might sound. So, for instance, we start with IoT Cloud and we have our inputs that actually enter into IoT Cloud. From this perspective, you then have an input, which is the customer context, which is me, and then you have the device data, which is coming in from AWS IoT, which is my phone. Now let's say I arrive here in Las Vegas, and I arrive at 6 p.m., we come for speaker prep to make sure that everything's working, and then I leave, and I am remarkably hungry. Now, what I want, more than anything else, is a burrito, because that's something that's right next to my hotel, it's something that's easy to access, and so what I will then do is I will then leave here and I will walk down the street. Now let's say, for instance, Chipotle is actually an active, or Chipotle could, well, let's say, for instance, it's like Chipotle or any type of fast food chain is an active user of this. They then now know the device context data that's coming in, as well as my customer insights. I love them a lot, I give them all my information, I say it's okay to contact me. So they construct journeys that now walk me through a path that say, when I am within 20 feet of a relevant Chipotle, 
I'm going to push you an offer to get a free burrito and or free guacamole, which is enough to get me walking in the door. At that transaction moment, which comes into the output, that is when it's like we actually know what is happening and we can, like, and we can estimate really it's like how we are actually impacting that customer journey over the course of time. So does that make sense to everybody? Does the Chipotle example work or should I try something else next time? Hopefully it works. Nodding heads, which is a good thing, that's great. So this is in a nutshell of really how it does work. If I'm gonna get a little bit more technical here is you have event data and you have device data and then you have customer context data all merging into one central source that we're then applying through rules via our state machine, which you're gonna see in a minute and then outputting to the desired results within Salesforce clouds and items like that. Why are we actually trying to do this? Because we're actively working to bridge the gap between all of the devices that we are connecting as well as to the customer experience overall. So for instance, it's like we wanna be able to set up a system that issues automatic reorders when we know that we need new parts and need new supplies. It's like we wanna be able to alert service reps that there are issues within products that they, are, that, that they have that are connected through AWS IoT directly within Salesforce. It's like, we want to engage with you through a customer journey, just like me walking from one hotel to the next hotel. And then ultimately, the whole purpose of this is to build a really deep and enriching experience that connects you better with your customers, that connects you and helps you understand your devices more thoroughly, but ultimately helps you gain a 365 degree view of your customers and how they interact with your devices and vice versa. And now I'm gonna pause and we actually wanna show you how this works. So, and this is the part where it's like, I will invite up Aubrey Vanna Whitewing, who will come up here and help drive this. And then Anthony and myself will help walk you through the demonstration that we have in front of you and set up the stage from there. Anthony, yeah. do you wanna set, set it up? Yeah, so I'll, I'll set it up and I'll explain okay. a little bit what we have here. <clears throat> I want to put that cable on. I took it out because you were walking on it. I didn't want this to <laughs> go out. So let me turn that on. And we apologize because yeah, we're probably going to blind some of you guys over here. So here's what we have. We have what we simulate here is a solar farm. So we have four solar panels we bought on, on eBay or whatever. They're really poor. They're really bad. Which is so why we need we have this huge lamp light. here, which is our sun. <laughs> <laughs> We're transforming a lot of watts in almost nothing, but that's what we need. So we have the solar panel controlled with two motors into a little PCB board that we had here that's connected to a Raspberry Pi. Um, this is just the boot up sequence. That uh, RGB light reflects some of the states that you'll see in Salesforce. So that's pretty interesting, just as a feedback mechanism so you can see. So what's gonna happen is those panels are actually detecting if they're in, in good shape or not. So we're gonna just let them you know, get, the, get the light here. What we're gonna do is we're gonna hide one of them to simulate a failure, one of the panel. So we're gonna see that tracking, and we're gonna trigger out of Salesforce a cleanup event. So the panels will clean up, that's fine. Maybe there's some leaves that fell on it, something. Okay, it's gonna clean up, and then we're gonna make it fail again. Say so it's actually not just leaves, you can't just do it through a cleanup. So then a service <laughs> case will be opened in Salesforce. We'll trigger a field service technician to fix that up, and we'll see how that works. So that whole piece is using AWS IoT send data, Salesforce to do manage the event, and uh, let's, let's walk through it. Let's, let's Absolutely. Do it. Uh, so, so thank you, Anthony. Anthony gave you a ton of detail. I'm actually going to go ahead and summarize this and what you're about to take a look at. So uh, Anthony started with the detail. Bottom line is we're going to go ahead and take a look at a device communicating with AWS IoT. 
which then communicates with Salesforce IoT Cloud. Salesforce IoT Cloud will take that information. You heard a little bit about event, um, and we're going to apply context. So what is the device telling us? But what also is the history of that device? We'll take a look at that information. We're going to combine those two things into intelligent business actions. And the key word here is actions. From here, you'll see Salesforce IoT Cloud do two things. Number one, communicate back to the device. And number two, as appropriate, communicate with Salesforce or any other third-party system to drive additional action. And again, the notion here is that we're going to go ahead and drive business value by taking the information and making that something that we go and intelligently apply. So now that we have our sun started here, we have the solar panels, you'll notice here that each and every one of these is operating independently, but we're looking at this as a farm. So this ability to go ahead and take a look at an individual device or a group of devices and understand the status. One of the things that we're going to do is we're going to identify the state that each and every one of these um, solar panels is in. So if you go through and you think about kind of classic state machine and the ability to segment off or group actions together, we're going to bring that very sophisticated idea that, again, all programmers will know well, to the business audience, essentially democratizing this notion of the state machine. Now, right now, the sun's in good shape, so we can actually see this move, right? So all of the panels are normal. In other words, they're providing the right level of information the right level of power. So just to clarify, there's eight instances. That's because we have several demos running. So this is this four instances only. There's probably another demo running with eight instances that are working as well. Absolutely. We see eight there. Can you show us what's, what's the output of those, of those panels now? You bet. It's on the left tab. So if we go through and take a look, you can actually see that the solar panels themselves, right, you can see that they're outputting. We can take a look at a couple of different things. Again, this is the view into the device. Right? What is each and every one of these panels doing? What is the farm doing? What is the split of power between each one of these panels? Right? So there's a lot of information at the device level to judge the health. Right? So the combination of the two, again, really provides uh, very robust information to pick up that uh, streaming event data, to be able to apply context. And for most of the time, these will actually be in a normal state. Uh, it's represented here, of course, by the LEDs. So for those of you in the front row, you can actually see the sun. You can see the states that we're in. You can see that all the solar panels are actually um, uh, doing their fair share, if you will, generating uh, power. You can see that the same panels are putting completely different levels, which is kind of... <laughs> <laughs> which is true, right? If you take a look, the sun is going to... Uh, uh, the sun is going to go ahead and those are also be in different power... Uh, different states, if you will. Right? This is one of the integration, by the way, that AWS IoT does. So AWS IoT has a role, a role in this that sends data to IoT Cloud, but also sends data into Elasticsearch. So it's, there's both at the same time with the same role. And this is Kibana, an open source plugin to Elasticsearch to show the graphs of the, the solar panel currents on AWS, but it's also sending the data to IoT Cloud there. Absolutely. So what you guys are seeing here is what Salesforce IoT Cloud is seeing. Right, so again, truly this notion of end-to-end. -end. And you'll notice here, oh, the sun's, got uh, the sun's a little closer. We see a nice spike in power. Everything's great. Oh, it's a nice spike. Nice power. spike, yeah. Nice spike in power. It's a sunny day in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> and if we go and we take a look in uh, Salesforce IoT Cloud, you're going to notice here um, that everything's normal. Now, what if we enter a state, uh, or what if we um, 
uh, go and change that, right? So we're so gonna, yeah, we're going to hide one of those. Uh, it takes a few seconds to update just because it doesn't, I mean, it sends the data every second or so, but then we're going to see it. So here you've seen that change, right? Absolutely. We saw one of the panels move from the normal, sta uh, normal state to the potential solar device issue, uh, potential solar device issue state. And what's happening is that the IoT cloud is intelligently applying business rules, right? So rather than taking a value and just saying, based upon this value, I'm going to take an action, in other words, stimulus response, we want to introduce this notion of intelligence. So we do not want to go and react to each and every signal. We want to go ahead and look for trends. So trends over time, trends in sequence. This is where IoT Cloud basically says, hey, what is the right way to process this? Maybe it's five low voltage signals in a row. Maybe it's three over a minute, right? And the uh, business analyst, again, a non-programmer, has the ability to go ahead and control exactly that. So when Anthony covered one of the solar panels, you'll notice that IoT Cloud uh, recognize the information that was coming from uh, the solar panel. You're talking about those business rules. How does uh, the non-programmer create those rules? Great question. So we've talked a lot about fast time to value, right? That was one of the principal views, uh, one of the principal points that, that Bo made. So right now what I'm showing you is a view. Um, again, a little different uh, if you guys are familiar with Salesforce. Um, this is very specific to IoT Cloud. And I'm going to uh, go ahead and take a look at the uh, move from the traffic view uh, to the actual rules view. And so the, the mantra for Salesforce is this notion of clicks, not code. Again, this, uh, the ability to democratize. So what we're about to take a look at is how easy it is for somebody who is non-technical to be able to say, let's build a set of rules. And so in this case, what we're able to do is we're able to go and define everything using the UI. So if we want to go and, uh, for example, add an action, it's as simple as pressing a button here. What is it that I want to do? I want to create an output. I'm going to send a message. I'm going to assign a, uh, a, um, a value to a variable. I'm going to keep track of something. Right, so going back to this notion of maybe a count over time or a count in sequence. Now, from a create output perspective, right, point, click, everything is, um, you know, is predefined for you. All right, so again, the business analysts, if they're familiar with the spreadsheet, can get in here and build as many of these um, as required. You'll notice here that what is the information that I'm looking for? Solar panel events. Right? What is the condition? Maybe if the amps drop below a minimum health spec that I've defined. So rather than hard coding, we're able to go and set the business rules in a variable. And so uh, what this does is it allows this notion to... Uh, allows companies to go and experiment. So as IoT grows, as more and more business value comes out of the deployments, one of the things that uh, our customers have found is that they experiment. Maybe 10 volts is the right level. Maybe 15 volts is the right level. And they don't know until they actually deploy. And so the faster we can deploy, the faster we can iterate, make a change, hit save, hit deploy, the more value they're going to get. Okay, so we're going to try to trigger uh, a, a longer failure event. This, the first time was just a cloud passing by or something, you know, nothing serious, had a little alert, but Perfect. didn't do anything. So we're going to hide this a little longer. I believe it's about, what, 15 seconds or so? 15 seconds. Seems like an eternity mm -hmm. here on stage. <laughs> you know, it's fine. So we're going to go there. It did move again, so this one panel is not working. And we're going to wait a little bit. Oh, 
Oh, now you have two pounds. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's the uh -huh. other one. That I, it's pretty sensitive because it's 10 milliamp out of like 600 watts. <laughs> so, right, we triggered a cleaning event. So the panels are going to flip over, clean up, you know, drop any leaves and come back in their position. So that's where you see the, the purple thing here and goes back into. There's a second event here because when the panels move down, obviously the draw, there was a drop in current. They say, hey, there's another issue. Like, hey, what's happening? So they flip again and come back. So what we're taking a look at is this notion of intelligent action. So once I've gone from normal to something where I want to go and check to see if this is a trend, then I'm going to take the first action. I'm actually going to try and remediate in a low, um, low impact way. I'm going to tilt the solar farm, or I'm going to go and try and automatically reset the device. But when is that appropriate? Maybe on the first time, or maybe it's a certain type of error. We don't want to do that every time. So when we start talking about this notion of intelligent actions, this is where IoT Cloud is going to go and bundle those yep. uh, together for the business analyst. So now we're triggering a second event? Yep. Yep. So maybe scroll down so you can see the red yep. dot here. You'll see that RGB also changing. The, unfortunately, they don't render yellow too well, but yeah. <laughs> so they go to yellow and you'll see. So I'll hide this again. So this time, it's the second time it happens. So that's going to be a, an issue for the, for the logic. So here we go and potential issue again. That's one other panel, or two, I don't know why two, but anyway. And then we're going to wait, and instead of doing a cleaning action, then it's going to trigger an on-site repair this time. See, it went red here. Here we go. So now there's an on-site repair that was triggered instead of going back and cleaning. You bet. So what we're doing is we're taking this notion of intelligent logic so that says, if the panels are normal, we expect 99.9% .9 of them to be. That's great. Uh, if there's a potential issue, all right, let's go ahead and look for that. On the first error, let's go ahead and try and reset the device. In this case, it's a tilt. On the second error, what do we know? That the reset didn't work. So we don't want to keep going back into this notion of tilting or taking the same remedial action. We're going to go through and be more intelligent in terms of the way that we, um, that we uh, interact with the devices. Now, think about this for a second in terms of the actual business impact. Right? So when you start talking about something like what we have here, uh, which is proactive service, do I want to roll a truck, a service truck, which is a very expensive thing to do, on a low impact, something that I could have automatically reset the device? If, but um, the answer is no. Right? I don't want to over-service. But I also don't want to under-service. This is all about getting the right level of service. Right? So we're going to be able to take the event information. We're going to be able to take the context information based upon history. There's a um, uh, we've already tried to reset the device, or if there's an open case, for example, we want to know this information that becomes part of the way Salesforce IoT Cloud processes. And then, of course, on the second fault, uh, what we'll do is we'll automatically remediate in the right way. In this case, it's an on-site repair. So what happened there when there was an on-site repair triggered? On the on-site repair, what that did was it automatically created a case in Salesforce. So what we're doing is we're connecting to Service Cloud. What you'll notice here is case number 1658, opened at 10.03. That's right That's now. That's right. <laughs> and what you'll notice here is very detailed information. So not only am I opening the case or taking the remediation action at the right time, but I'm also providing the right level of information. So you'll see here, the case was created by the IoT Cloud for the solar panel. If 
five a farm, which one, uh, which solar panel is it? I can see that Anthony was actually covering solar panel two. You can see this here in the lower right hand corner. You can see the voltage, it's reporting 0.64 volts. Um, if we want to go ahead and take a look at more information, you'll notice there's a live link. So if I want to click this, I can go back and get the information from, let's say, the dashboard or any other, um, any other data source that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So now our field technician goes on site, repairs it, blah, blah, it's repaired. And uh, we actually have a, a little um, IoT button. I don't know if you're familiar with this. You know, how, how many people have seen that IoT button before? <laughs> oh, it's pretty good, actually, yeah. yeah. So this one is uh, connecting to the, the Wi-Fi of the conference. I'm hoping it's going to work because it's a little flaky. But the idea would be to say, okay, I'm the customer. The field service technician came on site, repair, it's working, and I'm going to validate that it's working. So I'm clicking this. It takes a few seconds to connect. Hoping, so it's blinking a little bit, and if it goes green, then it should close the case basically automatically uh, based on the customer feedback when it's ready. So in this case, we can do one of two things. Nope. If the field technician closes the case, that information goes back in to the IoT cloud and will move state. If the customer, does, if the field technician does not close the case, let's say the field technician forgets. The customer has this ability to interact with the IoT button and maybe tells Alexa, hey, Alexa, yeah. it, looks, it looks good, right? And from here, we can have that uh, case automatically closed. We get the confirmation. We can go ahead and put these uh, solar panels back into their normal state. So again, this notion of multiple points of information, both live streaming event data, the context data, the appropriate action based upon the history, what's happened, and what's happening and then corresponding, uh, yep. corresponding action and, and uh, systems and engagement. Okay, so this went green, so it should have worked now, yep. I think. We'll see. I don't know, whatever. All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so other, other fancy stuff you can do in the rule engine. Uh, uh, rules engine in, in AWS IoT has uh, an integration with Amazon Machine Learning. So for example, you could uh, query a prediction out of Amazon Machine Learning and pass that prediction to IoT Cloud so they can take uh, action based on those predictions. There's a lot of things you can do as a pre-processing in, in AWS IoT that uh, IoT Cloud in Salesforce can leverage to build all those, uh, those uh, complex workflows of, uh, of decision making. Um, I will turn that off so you can actually get your vision back over there. <laughs> Thank you for bearing with us over there, by the way. And if you turn off the sun, oh, they're all going to go into fault. That was a, another more powerful one. Okay. That's why it was so low. <laughs> um, okay, so that's, um, I mean, we're a little bit ahead of time. But that's, uh, yeah. that's the gist of the demo. Um, mm -hmm. If there's any questions, uh, please come up here. Uh, we have time, so uh, we're happy to answer any of your questions.